So the first thing is start by taking out as many variables as possible. So, so I just tell people what to do. I'm like, put your machine on 93 degrees Celsius and then don't touch it until later. So let's start. So then you've removed that variable. Welcome to the Coffee Snobs podcast, where we just really love good coffee. Grab your cup of coffee and join us each episode as we explore any and everything coffee-related. From pour-overs to lattes to the coffee experience, we explore it all. Because, well, life's too short to drink bad coffee. Let's go. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Coffee Snobs Podcast. This is episode 76. 76. We are honored to have uh, our Australian coffee snobs, probably the farthest physical distance listener from us in little old North Carolina. We've got Stu Bryden, aka the home barista coach on Instagram. Well, we first had Stu back on episode 60. That was back in June of 2021. Wow. So if you haven't listened to that, hit pause, go back to episode 60. But anyway, Stu... Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us again. Hey, thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Yeah, this is, I have to say, as a coffee snob, uh, Stu, to the topic we're talking on, takes the snobbery to a whole nother level. Like, he is uh, so educated in espresso and has a lot of really nice gear. Educated us a lot on in the previous episode, and uh, it is a lot of fun to have him back on. I wish you could see what he has in his hand, but he has these, <laughs> I think they're from Japan, uh, and they're these specialty glass uh, cups. They, I've, I have peeped them on his uh, Instagram page, and I went to go try to buy a set, and I think like a set of glasses, a set of four, runs you like 80 bucks or something like that, and then, but they're mostly discontinued and so that's what he's drinking out of right now and they're gorgeous like orange glass or is yeah, that a, i did get them on special so ah. you know and i only bought i could only afford two i understand yeah. <laughs> i understand <laughs> so that's a good segue uh we're gonna talk what's in your cup Absolutely. So, so, Stu, one of the challenges is that recording with you is the time difference. So it is seven o'clock in the evening here, Eastern Standard Time. Yep. And tell us again, what time is it where you are? It is 10 a.m. So perfect time for coffee. Yeah. Confession, I'm not drinking anything right now because... Neither am I. Getting a little bit late in the evening. But, Stu, what's in your cup? Yeah. So I have got... Uh, from the new roaster I work at, it's a Ethiopian Guji natural process. And for the first time, I think this year I've made a pour over, um, because my espresso machine is turned off because I need to do some maintenance. Ah. Um, so that's why I'm making a pour over with the beans I normally use as espresso. And, and it's pretty good. That's dude. That's exciting. Yeah, we and Stu are kind of the yin and the yang. Aaron and I pretty much have our daily 
pour overs, V60, yeah. whatever format. Whereas Stu slinging the espresso every single day. Yeah, and gorgeous uh, milk artwork, like the contrast in. Uh, that's what, that's why we have him on, dude. This guy is dedicated to espresso and me where I sold all of my machines and everything's manual brew. Uh, you know, I, I, I love it. We have a, uh, mini Wega, a mini Wega, oh, a mini Nova Wega. Yep. A Wega mini Nova. There we go. Uh, at the office and I make, I make an Americana every day, but I'm not doing any milk, uh, and I'm really just, you know, just trying to dial it in because that's a whole nother variable. Steaming milk, understanding that. So, uh, but you said you have a pour over um, that you're using with your espresso beans. Now, in yes. your espresso beans, would they be a darker roast because you're adding um, milk, or how does what is your typical espresso roast? Uh, so the, these are a single origin. So we've roasted these, you know, if, if anyone's done any roasting, I think they've gone to like 200 and 210 degrees Celsius, gotcha. which is about a medium roast. Okay. So medium light, um, which I've been really enjoying as espresso lately. Um, so nice. rather than a medium dark or a darker roast. Uh, so I thought, you know, they, they probably work. Um, and it's pretty good. I haven't dialed it in. Yeah. I just turned the grinder to to a number I kind of remembered yeah. from last time yeah. on the niche. And uh, and it drew down at 3.30. So, it, it, and it tastes pretty good. Dude, that's, that's awesome. So, uh, Tyler, what was in your cup? Well, it's funny that you mentioned the Ethiopian Guji. It seems like tons of roaster. I don't know if it's the season for the beans right now, but... I can list, I can just think of half a dozen or more roasters who have an Ethiopian Guji natural. And I'm not sure of what farms they're coming from, but I actually have one from a, a roaster in Brooklyn, New York, the uh, Abracadabra. So that's what I've been enjoying. I haven't, well, actually, I've had it on an espresso blend lately. To me, it's been good. It's not quite as bold as maybe what I'm looking for to cut through when I'm adding milk, but I'm just rocking a Ethiopian natural as well. What about you, Aaron? Uh, well, I have, uh, I was telling y'all right before we started this show, Bond Life in Cleveland, Tennessee. We've had, we've talked about them on the show before, but because we did a dive into decaf, uh, one of my friends just happened to be driving through Cleveland and I asked him to stop and pick me up a, a bag of beans and while he was there, he was like, hey, they have decaf. And I said, uh, I'm going to pass. And then I said, well, hold on. What uh, what method are they doing to decaffeinate those beans? And he said, I think they said uh, something Swiss. I was like, dude, go ahead. Buy a bag. I'm going to try it. So right here on the table, I have uh, a Colombian from Bond Life, and it is a Swiss water process decaffeination. There you go. We also about have that on last episode. Yeah, we did talk about that. So I mean, honestly, uh, I'm I'm interested in it. This uh, Bond Life has won the Golden Roaster, uh, Golden Bean Roaster Award, I think two years, and so their quality of roasting is is very high. 
I also have a bag of uh, Ethiopian Guji, uh, like we just talked about, um, because I agree with you, Tyler. I think either the bean is in season or it's just, uh, let me say, it may not be in season, but it may have been harvested, harvested. So we're seeing the flood of Ethiopian Guji hit um, through cafe imports or whatever uh, importer is in the area. So yeah, that's what's in my cup. I'm excited to try the decaf and uh, let's jump into this episode. Okay, guys. So we're going to do three kind of mini segments here with our good friend Stu. We're going to start off. We talked a little bit more in depth about Stu's coffee background and how he got into that uh, in the previous episode, but we're going to let Stu give us the uh, cliff notes about how he got into coffee. And then we've had a couple listeners reach out once we did our back to basics with espresso with some simple questions. This is right in Stu's wheelhouse. I mean, home barista coach, like he specializes in coaching people uh, in their barista and decaf excuse me uh an espresso so we're going to go through three to four questions let Stu uh, answer those and then for those super technical coffee snobs like ourselves oh yeah we're going to end talking about some of Stu's kit his super nice gear might be a little intimidating so to some of the newcomers but we're going to nerd out in that segment so Stu welcome again and just uh Tell us what you're currently doing with coffee and how you got to where you are briefly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think last time we talked about, you know, really in detail and 20 years ago and how I'd got into coffee, but but right now I'm working with um, with another roaster. So in, in my local area, there's three roasters and I was working with one of them about 30 minutes away called Sixpence Coffee mm-hmm. and I was roasting and behind the bar and now I've moved to the really local roaster which is about 500 meters from my house um, oh. so super convenient and they're awesome uh, Honeybird Coffee I don't roast there um, they're, they're a bigger operation they use a 120 kilo roaster you know they're, they're pumping out a lot of beans um, but I run a little shop so they have a factory outlet. It has all the gear in it. So pour over gear, kettles, um, filters, espresso gear, grinders. It's really cool. And and I have an espresso machine there. I have a mocha master and I do cold drip. So I do that every day. Um, and it's, it's for tasting. So, you know, people that normally drink uh, a cappuccino with sugar or, you know, a flat white with sugar or whatever they drink, they can come in and taste a cold drip Ethiopian yoga chef. And they're like, what, what is this? You know? And it's that seeing people's face and that experience of tasting a coffee that tastes like blueberries, you know, for the first time. And almost everyone has the same story, right? Like, Oh, this tastes like blueberries. What is it? It's an Ethiopian yoga chef. So, and seeing that every day, it's, it's so cool. It's really, really awesome. So, so I work with those guys uh, a few days a week and then I coach, you know, maybe one or two days a week. Um, people that, that have home machines, that have bought machines from some companies I work with. Uh, Spec Designs do the, the really high-end custom stuff. Mm-hmm. And then another company called Departure, 
do everything from brevels to slayers. So there's a really good variety in, in what people have got. Yeah, well, where Stu is at is gorgeous. Like the the area that he's in is unbelievable. Uh, and it's wild. Back in episode 61, we kind of talked about the coffee shops in your area. And um, it's, it's really cool to catch the update to kind of see where you're at now and to uh, the big process. It's also fun following him on social. So home barista coach on Instagram, because he's, he really does a lot of demonstrations, uh, has a lot of detail there. Also post other stuff about shops. Cause I think a few weeks ago or maybe about a month ago, you traveled to another shop and I think you did some, uh, uh, maybe fill in work for a shop. You think you were serving drinks um, at another yeah, shop, that's right. which was really cool to kind of see because that, that normally doesn't happen in the States. Like a one employee doesn't get the opportunity to, to go sling drinks right, at another right. place. And so it's been really fun watching, um, you know, he's, he's rattled off uh, quite a few pieces of gear that just kind of establishes Stu's espresso game. It's like high level. And I know we're going to get to that at the end of the episode, which I'm super excited about. So, Stu, how long have you been professionally working with coffee? I've only been doing it full time for about three years. Um, and, and before that, my parents had a cafe corner store, you know, 25 years ago. And, and we had a little, I don't even know what the machine was, but, you know, a super old Mazza grinder some dark roasted coffee. And I used to play around on that when I was a kid. So I, and I'd always loved coffee. So I kind of gotten into it back then, say 25 years ago and enjoyed drinking it, but professionally only about three years. Okay. Wow. Which I have to say the Australian coffee scene, it just almost seems like a tier above or maybe the standard for the gear. Let's say this: the standard for the gear seems very high in Australia. I mean, y'all have some extremely gorgeous pieces of tech, but you've also got some customizers for the tech. Well, let's let's ask it like this, Stu. It's not uncommon here. Um, you have specialty shops that have really popped up in the past several years, and you'll see a lot of those start off with probably the bare minimum in gear, like nothing to get Seminelli, but yeah, several yeah. shops around here have started off with Seminelli machines and I believe grinders also. Yeah. I think it's about okay. your bare minimum that you can start with. So the average yeah. in your area, what would you say the average gear is at a, a specialty shop? Is it? I know that's a big uh, general. That might be a, no, yeah, no, I, it, if you go into a shop here, I would say six out of 10 shops will have a Lamazoko linear, the, the standard silver um, auto volumetric, and they'll have a Mazza grinder, like a Mazza Rober or a, a Super Jolly, one, one of the standard mm-hmm. kind of grinders you would expect to see. Uh, well, I mean, I don't use one of those in the shop now. I use a company called Expo Bar, um, which I believe is Italian. And, and they, they have a sub-brand called Creme, 
and they make their stuff in Korea. So the two group machine I use in the cafe is only, I say only, but it, it's maybe $4,000. Gotcha. It's not, it's not a super expensive machine. Right. For but, a commercial machine. Correct. For a commercial machine. I mean, like I know uh, there's a coffee shop here locally that their machine is $10,000, right? And that's not, yeah. that's not uncommon for a shop's machine to crest the $10,000 mark for multiple group head uh, deal, something that can produce espresso dialed in consistently. But, yeah, that's um, but I think one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on is to kind of um, maybe lower the bar of entry for people to get in because w- you know, the tech, the tech gear, you can go on, let's say Amazon, or you can go to a shop and look at the shop and they may, you may see like a $10,000 machine, or you may go on Amazon and look at a espresso machine and be like, you know, it's way out of my price point. And I think a lot of it comes down to the knowledge that you have and you have lowered the bar of entry for a lot of the people that we talked to you right before the show about you kind of helping people in the gear that to buy so that it doesn't seem overwhelming, but kind of talk a little bit about that. Like, you know, the gear that you could start with and then maybe some areas to invest if you're going to spend more money in an area. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll mention someone else who I think does it better than me and that's Lance Hedrick. Um, so he, he's a world latte art champion. I think he works at Onyx coffee roasters okay arkansas so lance does all of his videos on a breville barista express yep everything yeah and he's making world-class yep everything on that thing um so and sometimes when i do my my virtual sessions and i'm teaching people i look i look at my machine and i think is this actually approachable so yeah we talked about that earlier i mean if some of the people i teach have actually got Breville Brister Expresses or Ranchilio Silvias and an entry level grinders. So Breville Smart Grinders are great. Um, what's the uh, what's the the Vario the Hario? Mm-hmm. There's a Hario grinder. Or there's an Encore, um, but that's not. That's there, there the Encore. Baratza. Yeah, Baratza Encore, but I think that's more for a. I don't know that's if it can get fine enough for an espresso yeah. brew. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, so but the, like, I mean, en- entry-level grinders, you can do a pretty good job. Um, if, if you know how to use your machine and you know how to manipulate your grinder, you know how to manipulate temperature, uh, you can make really incredible quality espresso. Yeah, that, so there was a video we shared a while ago, and it made me think of you, Stu. They had, I think they were, they were either British or Australian. I think they were Australian. They had a professional barista, and they gave her a Breville machine. I think the Breville, the single one they had. Yeah, the single um, boiler. It was a, yeah. And they gave uh, a novice, mm-hmm. someone with maybe my level of skill on espresso, a, I think it was a Marzic, like a super, super nice yes. setup. Yeah, yeah. And they they said, well, who, what are, what's the deciding factor? Is it the gear or the person? And surprisingly enough, the guy who was kind of a novice made some decent espresso, but it was no contest. This 
professional yeah. barista, she was awesome and she was slinging out art on a entry level machine. So I guess that's Stu, you really seem to have like a passion for education. Um, you obviously enjoy the home coaching. And then you mentioned earlier, you love seeing the spark on people's faces when they, oh, this tastes like blueberries. So to someone who's potentially wanting to increase their or improve their espresso game, what are some things you would recommend as far as, oh, I don't have this gear. Like, Tell us about your maybe your typical student that you coach. Yeah, cool. So uh, I... I'll give you the rundown of the typical based off, off a session I did two weeks ago. Um, it was a, a lady in Sydney who had bought a Breville, a Breville Brewster Express and, or maybe she had gotten it for Christmas as a gift. So she had always loved coffee. Someone gave her this machine as a gift and, and some bags of coffee. And, and she played around with it for a couple of weeks, but didn't actually have the, the knowledge to know, you know, what a grind setting change does or how long the shot should be roughly. Or probably the most important thing, I think, what it should look like when it's coming out of the spout of the portafilter. Because if you can tell what a shot's supposed to look like, you're almost, you know, 70% there. Um, And then understanding what I do with people is I'll, I'll take them through, I'll make a coffee in front of them and they can see it on the video and I talk them through each of the steps. But when I get to the pulling the shot part, so the espresso is running out of the portafilter, I get the camera nice and close and I show them, I'm like, this is what it should look like. This is going to make a pretty good coffee most of the time. And, and once you get that and you understand, hey, I've changed my grinder a little bit and then this is what it looks like when it comes out, that's, that's the key education bit i think that's when people really click and they're mm-hmm. like aha i see i see what making it coarser has done and then i can taste it and they start to put those three things together so that's your you know your dose and grind size mm-hmm. the yield and and then the taste that's funny because i think we talked about this getting back to espresso basis basics and what kind of piqued my interest I'm the occasional, I make lattes at home. And I was getting so concerned about the contrast in the espresso and the milk and the artwork. That's great, but yes, yeah. I'd rather have an, an ugly shot that was pulled properly. You know, you got to walk before you run. Don't get so hung up Absolutely. on swans and beautiful designs. Like if you had to impart knowledge, if you just had one session with a student, I, I, you kind of just talked about that, but what are the yeah. what are the three or four basics for getting a solid, consistent espresso pull? Yeah. So the first thing is start by taking out as many variables as possible. So so I just tell people what to do. I'm like, put your machine on 93 degrees Celsius, and then don't touch it until later. So let's start. So then you've removed that variable. And then the time between 25 and 30 seconds. And let's just stick with that and and understand that some coffees can be different, but let's just park that for now. 
So 93 degrees Celsius, 25 to 30 seconds. Now let's work on the grind setting. Um, one more is your dose. So if your basket is a 20 gram basket, just put 20 grams in it. So, so you've reduced three variables. You know your dose, you've got the time, and you've got your temperature. So now really all you need to do is, is play around with the grind setting to get it looking correct. Uh, a lot of the time, I don't actually use scales because the scales can get in the way of people really looking at what the espresso looks like. I, would, I think you can make really good quality espresso visually and then work on the scales. I think the scales, it put them to the side because it distracts you from understanding what your grind setting looks like in the cup. So if, you've, if your grind is too fine and it's dripping out really slowly, you need to understand that relationship between your grind setting and what your coffee looks like. So that, that's the thing I focus on with people is this is your grind setting, arbitrary number, let's say it's four, and four looks like this with those variables taken care of. Now let's go to five. Okay, now five's an arbitrary number, obviously. Five looks like this. What did it taste like? Now let's find somewhere in between that that looks and tastes good. Yeah, I think and then that's start playing around with ratios. Yeah, dude, that is that is a great uh if people just take and go back and listen to that segment again, like if you have an espresso machine, go and do what he just told you to do because you can watch the flow. And when he was talking about time, he's talking about the time from the first drip to the last a pour out of the machine. So it's the duration that the coffee, uh, the water is passing through the cup, through the puck and out of the portafilter. So that's where he's talking about the time. You can start to watch the grind size and the flow rate. And I will say from someone who, when I had my espresso machine, which is the Gaza classic pro and it was a manual machine. So, you know, it, you have to hit the button it's not programmable. So you hit the button and hold it for the extraction time. And I learned so much. I couldn't fit a scale underneath it. So I wasn't able to measure it. So you just start watching the flow rate that comes out of it. And that's really where you can dial in the uh, grind and really understand the rate in which things are coming out. And it, seriously, if you got an espresso machine, even if you've been doing it, go back and rewind and listen to what he said remove those variables out and then start tasting it and then change it and taste it again and change it and taste it again. And you can really start to remove variables so that you can make a consistent espresso machine, espresso that tastes really, really good. So dude, Stu, that was great. Like, I really <laughs> yeah, want to hey, go buy look, a machine well, now. <laughs> one of the things about some of the other machines though, like when people buy a machine, they, they might not want to do all of that, yeah. which is cool, right? right. That's awesome. And that's why I like Breville's. Um, you know, I have no association with them, but I've owned a couple. And, and they come pre-programmed at, I think, maybe 25 seconds and 30 seconds. Right. So, you know, it just kind of takes that out of your hands. You can just press the button and, and it's going to run. It might not look great, but then you can make a slight adjustment on your grinder and, and you're pretty much good to go. Um, so it's got an auto volumetric setting. No, it's not volumetric. It's, it's based off time, but you know, it, it's pretty good for the people that want to get coffee of a good quality 
quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I had a Breville. You have a Breville, Breville Tyler. That's what I'm still using. Yeah. Um, we have a we have the Breville Barista Express at the office. It's kind of it's our traveling espresso machine, so that way if we go someplace, we can take uh, coffee with us. Um, nice. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great it's a great machine. Just understand when you get a machine that is programmed. You just have to understand what it's doing. So just kind of, if you get a machine that's programmed, just time out the extraction time. Put coffee in the portafilter, put it in the machine, take your watch, stopwatch, phone, whatever, and time out the extraction just so you can understand that variable um, because that is a very important variable to understand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Stu... When you boil it down like what you just said, there's only so many variables in espresso. Um, you can change grind size and temperature and all that. But once you've kind of got a consistent espresso pool and you got it dialed in, let's say you want to take the next step um, and you want to do a milk texture. Or how do you progress with students? Do you focus on the espresso do you go right into milk or do you well, focus? normally, so the sessions I do are, are 90 minutes. So it normally takes like 45 minutes, maybe 60 minutes to get an espresso running kind of, you know, because it it's on Zoom or it's on Google Meet. So you're kind of going between fumbling around with phones and, and that kind of stuff. So it takes about 45 to 60 minutes. And then we have this block on the end of 30 minutes and I'm like, okay, let's do some milk. And, and the first thing I, I get them to do, I'm not sure if you guys have seen this trick, but every barista that's, that's ever been has started this way, um, which is put water in your milk pitcher, put a single drop of dishwashing detergent and then steam it exactly the way you would steam milk. And you can get perfect latte texture that you can put into a glass and you can see it. And you can see how much foam you've added into the that kind of detergent soapy water. And if you if you mess it up, you'll know about it, you know, because it's going to bubble up, it's going to go everywhere, or it's going to screech and give you that high pitched noise. So it's an it's just an awesome tool and a way to practice without wasting milk. So I get them to do that a couple of times, um, and then I get them to to focus on maybe they'll do like one milk drink. Um, and depending on what time of the day, a bit like you guys, you know, they might not actually want to drink coffee. Um, because I teach people in, in the U S in Canada, uh, Korea, the middle East. So, you know, I might do a session at two o'clock in the morning for me so that it's whatever time that is in Canada when someone gets home from work. So they might not actually want to drink, drink coffee, but we go through that whole process. Um, so the, the focus is espresso understanding what the grinder relationship to your espresso is, and then a little bit of milk at the end. So I, I want to draw attention to something. One of the things that uh, the home barista coach Stu has focused on a lot is the grinder. And I think we're talking about espresso, but I think one of the big aha moments for me and Tyler was when we had hand grinders 
doing espresso because we were like newbies and had no idea what we were doing. And one of the largest investments that we made into the coffee game for us was our grinders. And matter of fact, Tyler, you have three grinders. You have one. Don't embarrass me. Like compared to. St- <laughs> no, nah, here's the deal. You have one that's strictly for uh, pour um, your Chemex for your wife. You have one that's just for your pour over and then one that's for espresso only. Hey, keep it simple. You know, I do a lot more manual brew, it sounds like, than Stu. Yes. But to me, it doesn't make sense for me to. My, my wife knows a little bit about the grind, but not that much. And to ask her to switch back and forth in the wear and tear, it's like, hey, I've got a dedicated espresso pour over, you know. Yeah, I mean, our grinder at the house, we keep it empty. And so you only get to add the beans in it that you're using for that day because yeah. I set it back to what my wife will use. But I may dial in a, a grind and be like, hey, this is what I'm going to change it to. And every time I go to use the machine, I change the grind out. So I'm knocking it. I'm beating all the grinds out of it. Yeah. But the the grinder in an espresso process is a vital piece of uh tech for uh espresso would you agree would you agree with that yeah absolutely i mean when when you boil it down to in engineering terms i'm not an engineer but you know a coffee machine is just uh, some way to heat water and a pump right a fitting for for a porta filter yep um and i suppose a grinder is much the same it's a it's a motor a drive shaft and some something to crush the coffee. Um, but one of those can be more variable in quality than the other, I think, which is the grinder. Um, so that's what I focus on, you know, having a really good quality grinder and it, and it can be a hand grinder as well, but you know, trying to dial in espresso and hand grinder is <laughs> that's hard work. Um, it, it was, you only do that frust- once or frustrating be, work, you know, exactly. You'll only do that once or twice. And then you're like, Oh my God, it doesn't matter how much, money which how how much longer guys until i can nerd out on the tech all right, we're getting there okay soon. okay i so, just want to make sure <laughs> all right guys uh Stu just laid down super simple basics to uh dialing in some espresso but what you really notice when you look at his instagram home barista coach is the beautiful intricate latte art that that Stu does and you can't help but notice the gear that Stu has. He's got, we're going to let him talk about that momentarily. Some very high end grinders and machines, but like you've just been mentioning, Stu, don't let that intimidate a newbie because what would you say is the, is the bare minimum for entry level? Breville makes a solid uh, yeah. all in one, or they have separate grinders, but you could do this with anything with musical instruments or camera gear, just because you That's have right. the most expensive stuff by no means, you know, means that you're going to do well. So yeah. Stu, tell us about Aaron's love language. Tell us about <laughs> what you're currently using for grinders and machines oh, at home. Okay. For everyone yeah, cool. that's listening This is the part that I'm extremely excited about because a few weeks ago, you displayed this 45 degree 
grinder that from an in from an um engineer standpoint gosh it is gorgeous so can you start off by telling me a little bit about that yeah sure um what i will say though on tyler what you said about the instagram is right you know and i kind of feel bad about i actually kind of feel bad that i post so many latte art videos because um completely honestly it's not that important to me i i'm i want to taste good coffee more than see good coffee uh, and they don't necessarily go hand in hand together. Uh, but full disclosure about Instagram, the way Instagram is just to build legitimacy for a brand, right? Like that's why people post lots of pretty pictures and videos. Right. Um, and I, I'm going to try and change that for me to more educational stuff. I feel like I haven't been helping people as much as I, as I really could. Um, but the grinder. Yeah. So, so this grinder, Aaron, is a, it's a Legom P64. And they're an Australian company. They're, they're in Melbourne, but they build their machines in Japan. And uh, the company is called Option O. They, they have a few different grinders, but this thing, I've been, I've been wanting to get one of these for, for quite some time. And, but when you order it, there's a wait time of like six months. So at the time, I was looking for a single dosing grinder. Uh, th- it wasn't available. So I bought a niche zero because it was available and it, they're excellent too. But then a friend of mine on Instagram posted this for sale and I thought, you know, now's the chance. So I don't have to wait. It's, it's black, which is the color I wanted. And, uh, and he's already seasoned the birds for me. It's perfect. I don't need to go through, you know, all the problems of seasoning uh, birds. So it's a 64 millimeter flat burr single dosing grinder with upgraded burr set. So it's got SSP burrs, which have a titanium coating, titanium and tin coating on the burrs, so they last longer. Uh, and, it, and it's made almost 100% for espresso. So different, different blades and different shapes of burrs can be better for espresso and, and filter, as you guys have talked about on previous podcasts. Um, so this is my single dosing espresso grinder. And from an engineering point of view, Again, look, I'm not an engineer, but this thing is it is incredible. It's so it's solid. Um, it's so quiet. It is unbelievable. It's like 36 decibels uh, when it's grinding. 36. 40. God, so I mean, um, it's if you it's know awesome. if you know about grinders, you know the grinders are loud. And like even Tyler, you would grind the night before not to wake your kids up. And like this is crazy. Like th- to yeah. have a grinder that is that quiet is unbelievable when i I saw this grinder come on i don't i can't remember if it was it wasn't like a kickstarter or something like that but someone in the coffee game uh kind of explained this uh diagonal uh way of the beans hitting so it would not sit in the cup so that the way the when the grinds hit they don't uh pass around the they don't uh retain as much heat as normal coffee beans would, because like in a in a um, in a uh, Breville, the beans will drop into a lower area, and then there's a scoop that will shoot them out the the like the hole that will go into your cup. But because this is at a, I don't think it's a 45 degree angle, but I think it's very close to that. Yeah, it might be close, maybe 30 degrees. Yeah, yeah. So that when the when the bean actually hits the burr cup. And, and the way that it does, it actually 
can get out of the grinder faster to reduce the uh, heat that is transferred to the bean. It's also an aluminum-based machine, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, that is, way it, it, re- it reduces the heat transfer because they're actually, the aluminum absorbs the heat faster than the actual bean does. It is a unbelievable machine. It is unbelievable. Like, just yeah. gorgeous. And, and look, it it's not, I wouldn't say, it's not an approachable grinder, right? Like if you if you have money to spend, um, it's it's two and a half thousand, two thousand two hundred, I think Australian. Um, what's that like? Fifteen hundred US? Yes, fifteen hundred. Yeah, it, it's an expensive grinder. Um, I I have it because it's it's a part of my business, right? Uh, it's it you know technically it's a business expense. Yep. But also I, I really wanted it. Yeah. Um, and I had the funds available at the time, but but I sold other toys to get that toy. You know, right. like I sold guitars to get that toy. So, right. Um. Yeah, because it's a it, single. When he yeah. says it's a single dose, like so, you're not putting a lot of beans through it at a time. You're literally measuring out the amount of beans that should go into it, and you're putting them through. It's got an, a magnetic cup on the bottom. Is that correct? Is that uh, the no? That no. That's the Weber. The Weber has the magnetic cup. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. dude. This, Which I I have used one of those as well. They're they're pretty incredible. Ah, oh, dude. It well, this yeah. it, the machine is is gorgeous. So. Getting over, we've talked a little bit about the grinder that you currently have, the single dose, but you have posted, I think, four different espresso machines since the last time we've had you on. You've had some beautiful custom, full, like, specialty uh, machines, which also kind of, if you can share who made those as well. So let's dive into the machines that you have. Yeah. So the machine I currently have is a Lama Zocco and I, I have this, I just love these machines. I love the classic design. Again, look, they're an expensive machine um, and, and they're an expensive machine because of the technology that's actually in it. So I have a thing against, not against, that, that sounds bad. Um, E61 group heads, you know, it's E61 for a reason. It's not E22. It, it, 1961 technology which hasn't advanced a whole lot so as a result you can get those cheaper and and there's a reason they're cheaper because they, they probably function not quite to as high a level so the linear mini has a uh, integrated group so that the water for the boiler the brew boiler sits right on top of the porter filter so like a saturated group right no so way. the distance between the water that's heated and the temperature measurement is is minimal and and that's the technology you pay for yeah you know someone done some development and actually brevels do the same thing in a in a lower end machine so if yep. you get a breville dual boiler it actually does something very similar so they're a really great machine that does something similar um so the machines that i have had uh since last time we talked was that winter last year Oof. uh i had a profitech pro 800 that giant lever machine. And I loved that because I wanted to experiment with the lever machine and profiling, but it is, I'm trying to think in inches here, but I'm not going to get it right. The, the height of the machine is it's like 68 centimeters with the handle, like 70 centimeters. 
What's that? That's like 30 inches. Yeah, we're doing math right now. You said it's 60, 28 inches? 60, yeah, 28. Yeah. That's yeah. a Which massive Which it won't fit piece. under your counter. Yeah. Or your, so your cabinets. It, you know, so it wasn't practical. And for teaching, it's not approachable. So if someone has a Breville Brister Express and I'm doing a session with them <laughs> yeah. and I show them this machine, they're like, oh my God, what is that thing? Yeah. So, so I got rid of that and I got the Linear Mini, which is, although it's expensive, it's simple in its function. It, there's no volumetrics. There's nothing built in. It, it starts, stop, that's it. So it's a completely manual machine. And from that point of view, I think it's approachable. Um, my partner, she has a, a GS3 MP from Lamazoko. So that's a manual paddle. So that paddle adjusts the pressure at the group head. So you can do real-time pressure, pressure profiling, you know, long pre-infusions, all kinds of really cool stuff uh, with that. And, and is, both of those Is that the blue machine? No, the blue machine's my linear mini. Okay, the blue machine is linear mini. Yeah, yeah. But I did get the wooden handles. Oh, my God. Listen, if, you, yeah. Yeah, if you're not following him, go look. I think he has a... He has a picture where he has latte art right over top of it, and the wooden accent all through this is gorgeous. Even the silver inlay between the handle, just like the attention to detail that this machine has is gorgeous. I mean, it's as much countertop art as it is a functional machine. It is gorgeous. It is. This company, uh, they're called Spec Designs. Uh, I can't pronounce Dan's last name. It's, It's a German name. It's very long. But it has spec in it. That that's the the company name, S P E C H T Spec Designs. They're in Melbourne and they do full custom machines. So, you know, painting, powder coating, electroplating, brass, copper, um, and they craft all their all their handles. You know, wood, oak, walnut. Um, they do it all by hand, and and their craftsmanship is second to none. It, they ship machines all over the world. Uh, because they they're just such high end machines. Um, they are really incredible, and they also do internal modifications. So they they can put a needle valve, like you have in a Slayer, into your Linear Mini, or a geared pump from a, a Strata, which is one of the highest end machines. They can put a real time gear pump into your machine as well. So no matter kind of what you want, they they can customize it. Which is pretty cool, yeah. But so it is that it's that it's that high end, you know. It's it is expensive a, stuff. It is high end. I mean, we're talking. There will be people in the espresso game that will never like that are really really good and are really committed to espresso that won't go to this price point. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Bond Life actually has a spec design uh, La Marzica. Um, oh, cool. If I'm not mistaken, because uh, the last time I was in there, they have like a um, a little, a little shop that they've, they have to test stuff. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. Spec designs is another great one. It's S P E C H T underscore design that's on Instagram. And if you want to just drool at the craftsmanship, um, the way they bring wood and metals together just is unbelievable. Uh, even yeah, we'll link to all these dude, companies and items. That they Stu's got one mentioned. that has plaid, uh, uh, a fabric wrap around it. It just is unbelievable. So yeah. Stu, 
it's interesting to me. We've got such a, a wide gap. You've got a Breville sub thousand dollar machine and these super high end machines. Um, what are you paying for? And, you know, you, like you said, it's a similar technology yeah. with the Breville. Um, is there an in-between, you know, maybe a couple thousand versus six or what's the big benefit for someone who's really serious like yourself in these high-end machines? Yeah, that's, that's an awesome question because I kind of get, uh, you know, Instagram people are pretty, they're pretty upfront with their feedback um, <laughs> in the comments and, uh, and in YouTube about, you know, how much money people spend on machines. But to, th- there really is a difference and, and you are paying, for, you know, you are getting what you paid for, regardless of what you think it's worth. So a Breville, our Brister Express has a vibration pump, which will be slightly less stable and a bit noisier. So when I, when I say less stable, I mean, it's not going to always deliver nine bars of pressure. The little needle might say it's delivering nine bars of pressure, but it might be going from eight to 10. It might be a little all over the place. It's not, not quite as stable and it's noisy. And then uh, depending on the quality of the PID, which controls the temperature, it might be a lower quality. So again, it might kind of surf that temperature range. It won't sit on exactly at 93. And then if you move up from a Breville Bristol Express, you go to something like a, uh, like the silver boxes with an E61 group head on the front, you know, like a rocket or Profitech ECM. They're, they're really well made. But at the end of the day, they use an E61 group head, which is a chunk of steel that sits out in space and is heating the air. So it's, it's less temperature stable because the way that the way that the water gets to your coffee is through a thin pipe. So it drags it, it heats the group head and it tries to keep the group head at a certain temperature. So the water doesn't cool down when it hits it, which is pretty hard to do. And and in 1961, amazing technology, but things have kind of advanced a little bit from there. But if you want to get for about $2,000, so yeah, rockets, Profitex, ECMs, excellent machines. You just have to accept that the temperature might not be quite as stable if that's what you want. And that's the big jump between an E61 group head and say a, a Lama Zocco or a Slayer or a, a say a Seneso. Um, the, really, the really high-end machines, they've done research and development. They've actually invested some, some time and money to make their machines more temperature stable. So the saturated group head or the integrated group head I was talking about before, it, it gives you a guarantee almost that it's 93 degrees all the time or whatever. If I set it to 92.5, it'll be 92.5. Um, and they have, they use big commercial rotary pumps. So they're quieter and they're more stable. So if I set it to nine bars, it's going to give me nine bars and it's not going to vary. And that stability is another variable that you've reduced. So, so it's going to make better quality espresso more consistently. And that's where the money is. Yeah, I, I agree. Like with what he's saying is the higher the price point, you're starting to remove the variables. You're starting to, to you know, refine that process a little bit more. I'll tell you our Wega Mini Nova, 
I can tell a difference. I normally will run the machine one or two times through right before using it just to uh, heat that chunk of metal. Like you said, I've never really realized why it tasted different or flowed differently. But in that same process, we heat that big chunk of metal, the 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 uh, portafilter adapter on the front, and then all of a sudden, like it changes the way the coffee does. Yeah, the heat is now actually being transferred through instead of saturating that big hunk of metal that's there. So, um, man, I have really enjoyed this. Like, I could talk with Stu forever because <laughs> I love talking all of the gear and nerding out in it. Um, bottom line yeah as Stu has said we've talked about on previous episodes you really don't need super high end stuff to make good consistent coffee Um, it doesn't hurt to have the nice stuff but if you're interested in again Stu's maybe not your man for the the pour over but if you're interested in espresso home barista coach yeah Stu can hook you up you do not have to have fancy gear to get started. There's there's really not an excuse, you know. Don't be intimidated. Stu can sit here and, and rattle off a lot of these technical things that makes Aaron's heart go pitter-patter. Yep. But at the end of the day, Stu makes the, uh, the approach, his espresso to, approach to espresso, it's pretty simple. It's approachable. Oh, sure. So Stu... Yeah. Tell us how we can, our listeners can reach out to you if they want to get some more one-on-one coaching. Yeah, absolutely. So probably the best way is my website, which is homebaristacoach.com.au or, or just through a DM on Instagram, which is at homebaristacoach. And they're, they're the two socials that I, I maintain. Um, I do have Facebook, but I just, I just don't use it too much. Um, so yeah, directly Perfect. through the website or um, or through Instagram. Yeah, well, I, I tell you, if you're in Espresso, if you've been in it for a while, definitely reach out to him. I, I guarantee you a session with him will take months off of your learning curve. It just, it just will. He has a lot of knowledge. Um, and so Stu, thank you for taking the time. Uh, one to just chat with us, one to give the listeners some knowledge and really to hype my interest again on maybe getting another machine. So my hey, wife's going to hate this. Hey, <laughs> a pleasure. Well, Stu, again, uh, Queen Beauty, is that where you're from? Queen Mount Beauty. Be- Mount Beauty. Beauty. It's a yep. pretty place. It is. Thank <laughs> you for... Uh, manning the what is it like a 16 hour time difference yeah to talk to some coffee snobs um hey if we continue to get questions we might try to get you again for yeah the three-timers club but i know guys episode 60 go back listen to Stu's backstory what 60 when he was uh in the australian military yeah that's right yeah got into coffee and then Go back to the parts where he's talking on this episode, not me yeah, and Aaron, yeah. <laughs> and rewind that exactly. and listen you know, to his knowledge. So, Stu, again, thanks for your time, man. Um, it's crazy yeah. how uh, Spotify and two nerds in North Carolina got hooked up with a yeah. coffee pro in yeah, Australia. Australia. So, uh, well, that's going to wrap up this episode. So, 
for Tyler, for Aaron, and for Stu, we'll catch you next time. Adios. <laughs>